Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Get Cute Podcast. It is Jocelyn, and I am apologizing for having the episode up a little bit later on this glorious Monday. I was actually working on a project that um, I'm doing for the community, not necessarily for the podcast, but kind of ties into the podcast. Just a little sneak peek about that, I suppose, when I'm really telling you nothing about it yesterday, and I kind of got stuck in a rabbit hole and just worked on that all day Sunday, and by the time that I was done, it was you know, really late and I still work full time for my company. So I needed to get it together. And also today was the first day of AfroTech and I am representing my company at AfroTech as well. So if any of you are attending AfroTech, please um, try to find me if you follow me on Twitter at Java Witch. Um, it's J-A-V-A-V-V-I-T-C-H. Then I will be letting um, my followers know where I am and where uh, my company's booth is for you to come by, chat, um, see if there's any open jobs or anything going on. You know, really cool recruitment type stuff at the biggest black tech conference there is. Cool. Uh <laughs> <laughs> so this episode is really cool because this is going to be the first episode in my Java series. Now, this episode is also going to be probably long. It took me a while to write the transcript for this episode because I wanted to make sure that the definitions of everything were as clear as possible because I know that when you necessarily don't have examples right in front of you that it can be kind of jarring, especially when you start hearing terminology that you haven't necessarily uh, heard before. Uh, one of the examples would be you're going to hear me say method a lot uh, because in Java, functions if you come from javascript are called methods and uh yeah that's just one of the things that i'm trying to be sensitive to and um making sure that i'm aware of that because you know i've almost been programming in java for five years now and a lot of the things that when i start speaking about java it's kind of offhand i use a lot of jargon most of the time but i'm tr going to try to slow myself down and to explain things that perhaps if you're coming from another language that you don't already know now um in an episode prior to this not the last one but the one before this i did explain what uh materials that i said that you should probably pick up if you're going to follow along to this series um that episode is still available, but also you can find it in its own list on my Amazon storefront. Now, just a fair warning that uh, if you purchase the books through this link, that I will receive a small commission based off of those sales. Um, if you just want to look at the list and buy them somewhere that's not Amazon, because I know a lot of people aren't supporting Amazon, uh, that's fine. But if that's a way you want to support the podcast, then so be it. Um, just to get some admin work out of the way, again, I would like to thank everyone that has left a five-star review and comment on Apple Podcasts, on Stitcher, or wherever you're listening to this podcast. As you know, it helps me out a lot, and it just shows people the podcast a little bit more, a little bit more visibility, and also helps out a lot for sponsors and ad space on the podcast. So again, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, oh my goodness, what else do I need to talk about before we get into the episode? Sources. So um, 
as I mentioned before with the books, um, those books are going to be the sources for this episode. Specifically, Thinking in Java. Thinking in Java is like a Bible for me. So um, there may be some things that uh, you may have seen in the polymorphism chapter and thinking in Java that I'm going to repeat. Um, Maybe there is one or two things that I've done and I will let you know um, where that is. But I do also want to say that I also use educative.io specifically for overloading versus overriding. It's not that I don't know what those things are because as you will learn, that's very imperative to the Java programming language. But sometimes as far as examples and wording, As somebody once said, don't know who it is. If you can't explain it to me like I'm five, that means you don't really know it. And it's not that I don't really know it, but I just wanted to make sure that it's crystal clear for you to know. So in the first episode of the Java series, we are going to be talking about object-oriented programming and polymorphism as it pertains to Java. These are the bare bones of the Java programming language and things that you need to know. You cannot know Java without knowing what object-oriented programming language is and how polymorphism works in Java. It is literally impossible to code in Java without these things. I don't care what anybody says. It's really, really important. I structured this in a way that supports the fact that I still believe that Java is one of the easiest programming languages to learn as a first language and more so probably if you're not coming from a procedural language like another object-oriented programming language it's another really easy one to pick up as well. Um, A lot of the discourse surrounding Java is talking about it being verbose and while I agree it just means to me that the language is very readable and if you don't like 70 character method names or whatever extreme case of uh, method names that you've seen on memes on reddit or uh, just in life then you may want to skip this because I'm I'm not gonna talk badly about that at all. (laughs) So, without further ado, let's get on to polymorphism. Cool. Object-oriented programming. Um, The one thing that you need to remember for object-oriented programming, and remember this very well, is that everything is an object. It is essential because it keeps Java programmers from having to repeat code. If it is used in your code base already, it is very easy to extend or implement and to modify existing behaviors of objects to fit your use case. Objects in Java all have names, attributes, and behaviors. It's really nice to think of objects as if they're likened to a person. Um, A person has a name, a person has hair, skin, eye color, or attributes. A person has certain things that they do, such as eating or reading. Um, Their behaviors are, in this case, methods. This is a very straightforward way to think about objects and will do you well to remember when you start creating Java programs moving forward. Now, the absolute key parts of object-oriented programming in Java, and this is very clear specifically to Java because it does vary per object-oriented programming language, are the following encapsulation, abstraction, inheritance, and polymorphism. Uh, I tend to actually put inheritance underneath underneath of polymorphism um, because I feel as though, and it is a key characteristic of polymorphism, uh, but I digress because I will get to inheritance uh, a little bit later on. 
Now, uh, let's go over these words and jargon that I just threw at you because I know that when you're coming from a procedural programming language or perhaps not a language at all, that understanding what the hell I am talking about can be a lot. So I'm going to break it down as simply as I possibly can. First, let's go over encapsulation. Per thinking in Java, encapsulation is when you wrap data and methods within classes in combination with access control. If you're following along in thinking in Java in the polymorphism chapter, you will see that they actually refer to this as implementation hiding, but you will commonly hear it referred to as access modifiers. Now, in Java, there are four access modifiers that an object can have, um, public, default, protected, or private. You're going to hear me talk about packages a lot as well as it pertains to access modifiers. And in Java, a package is essentially a group of classes containing objects that provide the implementation for the same cause. So essentially you could think of a package as a mini program inside of a larger program because sometimes there are a lot of packages associated with an application. Now, when we're speaking about access modifiers, public is used if you want the variable to be used outside of the current file that you're in. Say that you've created a file named, oh, I don't know, uh, animals.java, right? Anything, any object that you're putting within um, that file that you add a public access modifier to, say if you have like public string name, that means that variable, that object of public string name is going to be available outside of the Java file that you named animals.java. Default is the default access of package only if you do not explicitly set one for your object. So before I mentioned that we have public string name. So if you were to drop the public access modifier there and just have string name, that means to Java that to the compiler that this object is now going to be protected status. Um, so in default, it means that your object can be freely used within your package, but not visible or accessible anywhere else. Now, I kind of already explained it, but protected is also another access modifier that you can explicitly set to an object that lets your object be used within the same package and the subclasses of the package. So yes, default and protected are the same. Private means that you cannot access this object outside of the class that you have instantiated it in. And that's it, period. Nowhere else, that's it, just in that class. So to learn about encapsulation, you will use it constantly when you're programming Java. It will actually become secondary knowledge to you. You won't even think about it, honestly. But the easy example to remember this with are getters and setters. Getters and setters in Java are methods that are written to only modify specific data, be it a private variable or something else along those lines and other objects, etc. So here's an example that I have come up for y'all with today. Um, you know, fintech, me, boom. Say that you have a variable of account balance and realistically, would you ever want anyone to be able to directly modify or access your account balance without your knowledge? Absolutely not. The answer is always going to be no. But what if we created methods called get account balance that would return to you your account balance and set account balance, which would allow you to add or subtract money from your balance. So in this case, account balance would be private. And so in this case, let's just say it's going to be a double um, because money. So we'll have private 
double account balance. And then we'll also have the public methods of get account balance and set account balance, which would allow you to add or subtract money from your balance. Not providing direct access to your account balance is encapsulation. And I hope that makes it really easy for y'all to understand. Secondly, let's talk about abstraction, which not so oddly is going to lead us directly into our polymorphism conversation. In Java, abstraction is the process of hiding implementation details from um, the user or anyone. Um, the way that we do this in Java is called abstract classes and interfaces. And I pulled this information directly from javatutorial.net. So you're probably wondering, Jocelyn, you're throwing a lot of information at me. So encapsulation, getters, setters, I understand. But isn't that sort of abstraction? While your line of thinking is correct, abstraction in Java is only done through abstract classes and interfaces. So what the hell is an abstract class and what the hell is an interface? And how does this tie in to abstraction and polymorphism? We're getting there. Let's get into inheritance. So within inheritance, one of the largest things you can do use are abstract classes and interfaces in Java. Abstract classes allow implementation for methods that subclasses can implement or override. So you're like, what the heck is a subclass? So this is where inheritance comes in. With abstract classes, other classes can implement an abstract class. Say, for example, you have the abstract class animal. And now you want to make a class cat. Well, obviously a cat is an animal. So that means that the cat class can implement the animal class and inherit any of the foreseen variables and methods that are defined in the abstract class that an animal would also have. With interfaces, an interface allows you to define your methods but not to implement any logic within them within the interface. However, this was before Java 8. And the reason why I'm telling you this information is because you may end up at a place or you may end up doing something where you're going to be using Java 6 or Java 7. That's just the bulk of it. There's a lot of work for Java developers because especially within fintech industries, there is a lot of old Java code out there. And you may run into something where you need to rewrite code or you have to maintain Java 6 or Java 7 code. And it doesn't make any business sense for you to upgrade to 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. So this is actual knowledge that you are going to need to have and you need to know why it's changed. Per my source of java57.com, now in Java 8, interfaces are allowed to have method implementation. The key differences between abstract classes and interfaces now is that they cannot have any instance variables as in interfaces cannot have any instance variables and interfaces cannot have a constructor. Interfaces were once seen as the purest form of abstraction within the Java language. Now with the Java 8 changes, interfaces can have default and static methods, which takes away that title for it. So to keep with my example of, say, an abstract class of animal, and you have a class of cat that wants to implement the abstract class of animal because a cat is an animal, you're starting to see the basic forming of inheritance here. Now, when we start getting into inheritance even more, we have to start talking about the overloading and the overriding of methods. And again, just as a reminder, methods in Java are functions in JavaScript. So basically any call to action in Java is going to be called a method. 
But for now, let's focus on overloading. In Java, overloading is when you're able to use two methods with the same name, but with different parameters. That's the simplest way I could think of it. And it may sound odd because I don't have any visuals, but I'm going to give you an example to kind of make it easier. So let's say we still have the class called cat that has two methods called meow. The first method has no parameters and returns a string that says meow. The second method called meow takes a parameter string called, let's just say string for the sake of brevity. For this example, let's say that variable string that's being passed into the second method of meow says long. In the method, the method will concatenate, um, and concatenation is putting together, in case you don't know, long and meow, and returning the concatenated string of long meow. This is an example of overloading because the compiler knows that the methods are different because they have different method signatures, meaning that the compiler knows that they're different because when it goes through to look at them, they see the first meow, no parameters, second meow has a parameter. And that's an example of overloading. I personally like to think that overriding could be seen as a little bit more difficult if you don't know the basic foundations of polymorphism and inheritance. So in this example, we're going to still have a class called cat, and we're still going to have a method within cat that is going to be meow. And let's just say that that method is going to print out meow. Now, in your new class, tiger, you extend cat because for the sake of simplification, a tiger is a cat. Because tiger is a child class of cat, tiger will have the method make sound, except this method will return a Boolean of true. Because both of these methods do not take parameters but return a different type, um, the first one being a string and the second one being a Boolean, this is an example of overriding. Overwriting is also known as compile time polymorphism because this occurs at, you guessed it, compile time. And I think this is where we are going to stop the episode because I feel like I've been talking about Java for probably 15 minutes straight and I'm tired of hearing about it and y'all are probably tired of hearing about it and perhaps you just want to be able to take all of this information in and wait excitedly for the next episode in the Java series. Um, I really have fun this series. If you like this episode, please feel free to give me a five-star review and comment on Apple Podcasts or wherever, wherever you are listening to this podcast. Oh my goodness, I'm tongue-tied already. Like I said before in the beginning, it's great for optics for the show and it will just help out the podcast in the long run. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, feel free to email me at thegetcutepodcast at gmail.com and feel free to also follow the podcast on social media. We do have a Twitter at getcutepodcast and then you can also follow my personal Twitter, which is javawitch and that's going to be J-A-V-A-V-V-I-T-C-H. I don't think I have anything to say, y'all, besides if you are at Afrotech this week, feel free to follow me on my personal Twitter and see where I am. I would be more than happy to talk to anybody that is a fan of the show or really, I just like talking to people on the internet in general. So, you know, um, as I said, I do have a surprise project coming out. I don't think I'm going to be timing it with um, another episode release or anything like that because 
sometimes when you're tweaking things, it just does not work out that way. There's a lot of um, work that I still need to put in as far as the launch goes. So y'all will just have to see it when you see it by following me on social media. And I believe that is all for this episode. Again, apologies for it being a late Monday release, but life gets in the way sometimes, you know? Love y'all, and I will see y'all next time. Bye!